Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. All right, and welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. And I'm your other co-host, Donnie Cage. There he is, Mr. Cage. How was the hockey game, sir? It was a lot of fun. The seats were great, but the game itself kind of kind of stunk. It felt like they are playing it in slow motion. And I hear that, but here's the good news. Your Eagles will be playing this Sunday. Fly, Eagles, fly. I am a uh, <clears throat> a Mahomes fan, but I'm excited for you because Kansas City isn't my team. I'm a Steelers guy, have been for many years. So I'm excited for your team, and uh, I wouldn't mind seeing the Philadelphia Eagles actually win, an- win another championship in my lifetime. So, yeah, it'd be all right to see them go all the way. We gotta, we gotta play better, and uh, I'll, I take full responsibility for whether we win or, <coughs> win or lose. <laughs> All right, then. All right, folks. So, if this is your first time listening to the show, uh, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button. No matter which pl- platform you're listening to us from, we're on all major platforms, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, and the list goes on. Also, Mr. Cage co-host, and he created the podcast Uncaged Voice. Go ahead and tell him about that, sir. Yes, if you uh, love to hear about movies and all sorts of other entertainment-related topics, check out the Uncaged Voice podcast on YouTube, hosted by myself, Top Tier Rated, and Jigsaw Jester. We have a new episode that's going to be dropping this weekend that's going to be a lot of fun. going to talk about many of the Super Bowl trailers that are going to be debuting this weekend. Uh-huh, yeah, and if you like to catch up on current news or politics, I co-host, I mean I host, I co-host, <laughs> I host the Red Pill Current News Podcast, and we just dropped an episode today, and we'll be dropping another one tomorrow, and tomorrow we'll actually be talking a little bit about Tom Brady's retirement, which is something a little bit different. Also, we do interviews with different types of folks, entrepreneurs, mediums, psychics, and so on. So yeah, check us out. We're on all major platforms as well. We drop two episodes a week. And on this epi- on this show, we drop an episode every Monday and Friday. Also, if you'd ever like to be a guest on Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast or have any questions for Donnie or myself, feel free to email us at Kentucky spelled out, Kentucky 99 at yahoo.com. That's Kentucky 99 at yahoo.com. All right, so also the merch store, there's new items in the merch shop. 
We also, uh, the link will be below. And we also have a couple extra things on there as well. So be sure to check out the description below in the podcast. So uh, as we start every show, it's an epi- it's a segment that I personally love that Donnie came up with last year. It's called My Fantasy Booking. And uh, basically, Donnie will pick a superstar. I'll pick a superstar. They could be current. They could be retired. However, and we talk about if the promotion that they didn't get as much success in as they should have, how we would have booked or done things different. And uh, Mr. Cage, as always, I'll let you start us off. Thank you, sir. Well, this week I have a, uh, I'm going to talk about a sadly deceased wrestler, but definitely one of my favorites growing up. He's somebody I followed throughout his career. And truth be told, he had a really great career. There's no question he received the spotlight and was always working with a lot of the main event players. But I just think there were a couple of times in his career where he could have been booked just a little bit better. So my fantasy booking for this week is going to be Ray Trailer. If you're wondering who Ray Trailer is, he is better known as the Big Boss Man, the Guardian Angel, and Big Bubba Rogers. He got his first major start in Jim Crockett Promotions, and this was around 1986-87. He debuted as Big Bubba Rogers, and he was the bodyguard for James E. Cornett and the Midnight Express. He was actually involved in the uh, in the famous scaffolding matches that they had with the likes of the Road Warriors and the Rock and Roll Express. He was always kind of like the backup for the team. And he was getting a lot of exposure on TV. He, was, he actually won the UWF Heavyweight Championship at one point. The UWF was purchased by Jim Crockett Promotions in 1987. But Despite his success in that promotion, he signed with the World Wrestling Federation in 1988 and took on his most famous gimmick, the Big Boss Man. And he had a main event feud with uh, Hulk Hogan for the World Wrestling Wrestling Federation Championship at one point. He was tag team partners with the former one-man gang who was known as Akeem at this particular period. They were a tag team called the Twin Towers, very successful. Eventually, they broke up. The big boss man turned face and had a lot of memorable feuds during this time period. I'll never forget the jailhouse match that he had with the Mountie at the 1991 SummerSlam pay-per-view. His feud with uh, Nails, the prisoner. They wrestled at Survivor Series 1992. But I remember that the big boss man wrestled Mr. Perfect at WrestleMania 7 for the Intercontinental Championship. And as a kid... It's a young kid who was just getting into wrestling. I was always disappointed that he didn't capture the gold on that night. I wanted him to just to, to win the Intercontinental title at WrestleMania 7. I thought it would have been a big feel-good moment for such a great worker and a great character. Um, certainly, Mr. Perfect is no slouch, and I totally understand why he walked away with the belt. Boss Man won the match by disqualification. He eventually left the World Wrestling Federation in 1993 and joined WCW. And... He was initially known as the boss, so it was a very similar gimmick to the big boss man, but um, for legal reasons, they had to change his gimmick, and he became the guardian angel. And this is where I think WCW dropped the ball a little bit. I wasn't a huge fan of the guardian angel gimmick, but I was a fan of the man behind the gimmick, and I knew he was always a good worker. And he feuded with Vader throughout the latter half of 1994. And he never was able to score a pay-per-view victory over Vader, which I was a little disappointed by. And the thing was, Vader was still being pushed in the main event. He was at one point the number one contender for the world title that was held by Hulk Hogan. 
So I always felt that if these two were continuing to have their feud on pay-per-view, at least give Ray Trailer one pay-per-view victory over Vader. But it never happened, unfortunately. He would always lose by pinfall or disqualification or some sort of other shenanigans. Eventually, he turned heel. He became Big Bubba Rogers again. Worked with WCW for a couple more years before he went back to the World Wrestling Federation and had what was probably one of the most successful runs in his career as the big boss man. He was a multiple-time hardcore champion, tag team champion alongside Ken Shamrock. He even had a Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania 15. And I always hated this match because I remember thinking to myself, these two are both really good workers, and if you give them more time, I guarantee they could put on a really good match for people. But I think they were given a total amount of like four or five minutes for a Hell in a Cell match. It was one of the worst matches on the card. Probably, by most people, is still considered the worst Hell in a Cell match in the history of the, of the, uh, of the gimmick match. And I just felt like The Undertaker and The Big Boss Man both deserved a lot better on that particular night. It's unfortunate. Um, he did tragically pass away in 2004, um, but like I said, was always a fan of the big boss man. Not saying the guy had to become a world champion in WWF or WCW. I understand he had a ceiling, but um, just felt like he could have been utilized better uh, here and there. Just my opinion. I don't know. I don't know. Kentucky guy, your thoughts? Well, I, uh, I like the wrestler, the big boss man, uh, a lot, and there's not a lot of bad things that I can actually say about him. Uh, he was a phenomenal heel, and I really, uh, you know, which is good, uh, Mr. Cage, because you and I haven't been agreeing a whole lot lately on your fantasy bookings, uh, but this was, uh, I have to agree with this one. The big boss man, he really didn't get a chance to truly shine with WCW, and you're right, when he came back and became a part of the corporation and teamed up with uh, Ken Shamrock, that was probably his best run. It was his last run, but it was probably his best run in his career. And something I'll never forget is the episode where he was, where he had a memorial feud with uh, Paul White, uh, the giant on WCW, but on WWF, he had the feud with them. He was the big show. And the big show, supposedly his father died. And the big bossman came and. <laughs> hooked up a chain to the casket and drug it around the cemetery yard. Wow. You talk about dramatic. Of course, that's during the attitude error, but it's still something visual like that. You'll never forget, especially as a kid. I was a kid then. So yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think that, uh, the WCW really made a, uh, horrible mistake. Horrible. Mistake. So, uh, good job this week, sir. All right, so let's get into my fantasy booking for this episode. My fantasy booking this episode is none other than Scott Levy, better known to all of us by his ring name, Raven. So after graduating from the University of Delaware with a degree in criminal justice, Levy trained as a professional wrestler under Larry Sharp at the Monster Factory in New Jersey, making his debut on February 20th, 1988, against Jimmy Jack Funk. Now, I wanted, I'm going to talk basically what this is about. I'll just give you guys a heads up because he worked for a lot of different companies. The company that could not get over themselves when it came to this gentleman was WCW when he first started, but they rectified it, and we'll go over that. And WWF really, really never got over it. 
and just dropped the ball twice on this young man. So in 1992, Levy joined world champ WCW. He was given the name Scotty Flamingo and a gimmick of a surfer from Florida, even carrying a surfboard to the ring. According to him, he didn't like the character nor the high-flying style, but he was forced by the promoter. He competed in WCW light heavyweight division, winning the WCW light heavyweight championship from Brian Pillman in 1992 at Beach Flash. He then left WCW in February of 93 after disagreements with the booker, Bill Watts. Oh, we've heard that guy's name before, blown it for other people in the past, haven't we? After leaving WCW, Leafy brief, he briefly wrestled for United States Wrestling Association before joining the WWF as a manager. Johnny Polo, a spoiled rich preppy kid, he was initially placed with Adam Baum appearing for the first time on May 24th episode of Raw. He managed Bomb for four months until he was replaced by Harvey Whippleman. He then became the manager of Quebec's in September, whom he led to three rings as the WWF Tag Team Champion. But he wanted to wrestle more, and he clashed with Vince McMahon about his role until he quit. He took his idea about wrestling and his knowledge about production to ECW. And he became Raven, a character inspired by the poem Edgar Allan Poe and by Patrick Swayze, manipulative zine, master of crime, in the film Point Break. The Raven character was a depressed sociopath, a nostalgic who would deliver adequate philosophical promos, peppered with literature, allusions, and ending with a catchphrase, quote the Raven, nevermore. The Raven was introduced to ECW by Stevie Richards in the late 94. Richards had developed an identity crisis, performing under the ring names Stevie Flamingo, Stevie the Body, and Stevie Polo, all references to former ring names used by Levy. After sustaining another loss to Tommy Dreamer, Richards became irate and claimed he would present the real Johnny Polo. Raven made his first appearance on 1995 on an episode of ECW, Hardcore TV, with Richards revealing that he had a vendetta with against Tommy Dreamer. Now, the Raven changed his look completely. He now wore cut-off jeans, he wore a tank top, and usually a leather jacket. However, on June 30th of 97, he made a return to WCW as Raven. So this is where WCW got it right. He was, he was seen sitting in the front row at a Monday night where the commentators acknowledged him as a man who has been a champion with other organizations. Raven would frequently appear in the front row for the next few months with his lackeys slowly forming what he would be known as the flop. In 99, which involved every contract wrestler, WC wrestler, Eric Bischoff offered anyone their release right then and there. Levy was the only one to stand up and walk out as he was dissatisfied with WCW's creative direction. He was granted his release and left the company. Now, he left the company because creative had run out of ideals for him. I do want to say that they did treat him right when he first got there. He was a main player. And the way they brought him in in the crowd, I'll never forget it. Because he really did a bang-up job, his vignettes and everything like that. So, he walks out of WCW. He rejoins ECW and signs a one-year contract in 99. 
and he had a lot, so much success in ECW. He won the title again. He was already ECW heavyweight champion once. He won it again, but eventually he had to leave because of money, and he signed again with WCW. Now, he had some really good feuds when he went back, but he would never be pushed in the main event, even though his character was over so tight that the fans were crazy about him. They, that management still could not, Eric Bischoff, by the way, put him over. So over the night, the same night that Shane Douglas, Eddie Guerrero, Saturn, Benoit quit the company, Raven quit as well because Bischoff told the roster in a meeting that if people were unhappy, they could just leave. He returned to WWF as Raven in 2000 at Unforgiven when he interfered in a strap match between Taz and Jerry Lawler by hitting Lawler with a DDT. Most people in management did not understand his character, and they had very strong opinions. He knew how to get his own character over, though, so it didn't matter. When he got back to the WWE, he looked different, he acted different, so Vince McMahon did not even know he was on the roster for many months. When he found out Raven was working for him, he got extremely upset and asked who in the H-E-L-L signed Raven. He still had grudges because Scott Levy dared to quit his quit him in his company, and Vince McMahon personally did not like him. He was put on heat and used sporadically after that until his contract ran out and was let go. Following their time in the WWE, Raven, Chris Canyon, and Mike Sanders famously sued Vince McMahon and WWE, attempting to argue that they were employees, not independent contractors, and thus they were deprived of benefits such as health care. Well, that was the old WWE. I know they provide health care now, so I'm not going to talk a whole lot about that. But Vince, once again, your ego knocks you out of a money make and WCW not pushing him the third time he comes back to your company to the main event is crazy. You were talking about a 15-time heavyweight champion, a six-time tag champion, and multiple-time hardcore champion and U.S. champion. It is a fact that this guy is a superstar. Now, you'll never see him in the WWE Hall of Fame. Why? Oh, I don't know. Vince McMahon's ego did not let him get to that to that partial enchalant status in the WWE. He's in Impact. He's in the Impact Hall of Fame, which he was a world champion there as well. I think it's just a complete missed opportunity with a great wrestler. Two organizations felled this guy, and that's just sad for us wrestling fans. It's untelling what we could have seen if they'd have played their cards right. Your thoughts? Kentucky guy, as as I always say, we, we disagree on a lot of things, uh, including fantasy bookings, but you hit the nail right on the head this week. Raven was a bona fide star um, from his days in ECW, in WCW, back in ECW. How WWF dropped the ball on this, I have no idea. Um, you know, even if you're not going to push Raven as a main eventer, there's no question he was a guy that should have been in the upper mid card feuding over, uh, over a bunch of the titles that were, that the WWF had at that time. I, I, I think Raven might've captured the hardcore championship a couple of times, but that title became a joke after a while. We all know it. Um, and yeah, I mean, every other promotion that Raven worked for, you know, except for a few exceptions here and there, treated him like he was a big deal. WCW, at least for most of his run, 
TNA treated him like he was a star. ECW, we already said. And all because Vince McMahon had to hold a grudge against him because he left the company years earlier. He couldn't see that this guy had transformed himself and was a great signing. It, it, it just shows you how, how dense Vince McMahon is sometimes. So I agree 100% on this pick. Raven completely misused in WWE. Yeah, and I tell you, here's the thing. He was, uh, he was winning matches. Remember, the first time he was in the WWE, the WWF, he was a manager. And they wouldn't let him wrestle, and that's what he wanted to do. So he's winning matches until you find out he's working for you. <laughs> and you remember, oh, yeah, I don't like this guy. So let's put him on heat and make him start losing every match. Is it ridiculous? Ridiculous. And now you can see why Vince McMahon's in the shape he is. Stuff comes back, man. Karma, buddy. It's, it's a rough, it's a rough, rough road. Okay, so let's get into the wrestling news and rumors around the water cooler. First headline is, this is actually a follow-up from Monday's episode. WWE NXT star Grayson Waller suspended. WWE has announced that Grayson Waller has been suspended for one week for his actions after NXT Vengeance Day show on Saturday night. So for those of you that listened to the last episode, Waller interrupted Shawn Michaels' post-show media call and had to be escorted out of the room by Matt Bloom. During the incident on Saturday, Weller made a remark to Michaels about having to dress like his friends Diesel in order to get noticed. Weller also told Michaels that he wants to be seen as the guy. Weller took to Twitter to issue an apology. He tweeted, I'm really sorry, Sean. Let me back. I promise. I'll take a nice photo with you, like the other fans in the locker room. Hashtag WWE NXT hashtag I'm sorry uh I like this Waller guy I mean I don't know if this is a work or a shoot or what but I like it I like it it's bringing some much needed more attention to NXT I like I mentioned on Monday's episode I thought the pay-per-view was good I didn't think it was great but I definitely like this guy uh and I think he's a future superstar coming down the track your thoughts I'll admit I have not seen a lot of Grayson Waller's work, but the little sample size that I have seen, I've liked. And I personally believe that this th- this whole, oh, he's suspended for a week, it's a total work. If, if a guy legitimately interrupted a media call, like walked in on, on a call that, that, that one of the main heads of NXT is running and causes a ruckus, do you think that they would suspend him for one week? The guy would be fined. It would be like a minimum of like a 30-day suspension. Uh, He would probably be buried on TV. This is 100% of work and is playing into Grayson Waller's character. Yeah, I I think it is too. But, you know, it's sometimes I like it where they're not giving it away 100%. And that's one thing that I have to tip my hat to under this Triple H creative is they don't give away everything right away over the internet. And I like that. Uh, so let's, uh, let's go over a couple raw results real quick before I get to the next headline. Uh, the first match that we'll go over, we had a qualifying match for the Elimination Chamber. It was Angelo Dawkins versus Damian Priest. Winner, Damian Priest. So Damian Priest is a part of the Elimination Chamber match now 
for the United States heavyweight title, Austin Theory's heavyweight title. Brock Lesnar returns to challenge Lashley at the Elimination Chamber. So that's going to be a match. And then Phoenix and Edge showed up on Raw, and they challenged Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley to a mixed tag team match at the Chamber. And that's going to be a match as well. Any thoughts on those, sir, before we move on to the next headline? Yeah, I think uh, Elimination Chamber is already shaping up to be a really good pay-per-view. I'm really looking forward to Chapter 3 in the Lashley-Lesnar saga. I think we're going to have a really good mixed tag match between Judgment Day and Edge and Beth Phoenix. And, um, you know, I, I feel like this is the right call, putting Damian Priest in the United States uh, Championship Elimination Chamber match. He's a former U.S. champion, so it's good to put him in there. Um, you know, all, all respect to Angelo Dawkins. I, I've said repeatedly I like the Street Profits, and I think Dawkins is talented. But I don't think it made much sense to put him into this match. So uh, this was the right call booking Damian Priest to win. Yeah, Angelo Dawkins does not have the juice to be in a United States match. Not as a singles competitor. Not yet, anyways. Okay, uh, next headline. So this is a potential spoiler on WWE's plans for Elimination Chamber title match. So, and I want you guys to understand that this is possible. It's not actual fact, but it's possible that this could be a spoiler. So the WWE United States Champion Austin Theory will defend his title against Seth Rollins, Johnny Gargano, Montez Ford, Damian Priest, and Bron uh, Bronson Reed inside the Elimination Chamber at the next at the pay-per-view next Saturday from Montreal, Quebec, Canada at the Bell Center. This will mark the first time in history the U.S. title will be defended inside the chamber. In the latest edition of Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer noted something interesting. WWE has taped a television show that airs in March, and Theory is featured while holding the title, the United States title. Now, that doesn't guarantee that Theory is retaining the title at the upcoming pay-per-view, but possible indication. Meltzer wrote, quote, Theory taped a television show that airs in March holding the U.S. title belt. That doesn't mean 100% that he's retaining it here, but it is something, right? End quote. Yeah, it's something. Uh, your thoughts, sir? Well, it's always hard to predict whether um, whether they're doing this to throw people off or whether it, it is a legitimate spoiler that leaked. I, I mean, I think it could go either way. I think, you know, sometimes they film footage that they end up not using just to have as a backup plan in case the booking, change, the booking changes at some point. If I were to make an early prediction, I would probably guess... Austin Theory is going to retain the U.S. title here because uh, if rumors that are believed, he's got a high-profile match coming up at WrestleMania. So it remains to be seen. But, uh, yeah, I, I, th I, I think personally that this is a spoiler and he's going to walk into this TV taping that you mentioned, still the U.S. champ. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, uh, I hope it's not true. <laughs> I'd like to see Seth Rollins walk out of there with the title. But, uh, yeah, so you have the uh, next two headlines. Headline. Matt Cardona says WWE fought him on the Zack Ryder trademark. Last month, Matt Cardona filed for the trademark rights of his old WWE ring name, Zack Ryder. Woo, woo, woo. He later tweeted, 
that he tried to get it, but was denied. Former WWE star found success after reinventing himself for various promotions such as GCW, NWW, and Impact Wrestling. While appearing on Jason Powell's Pro Wrestling Boom podcast, Cardona revealed that even though the trademark did lapse, WWE fought him on the trademark, so he backed off. Because if he took them to court, WWE would have won because it's their intellectual prop. Cardona said, I quote, They did let it lapse. I applied for it knowing there's a chance they could fight it, and they have, so that's it. I'm letting it go. It would have been cool to do a cinematic Matt Cardona versus Zack Ryder match, but it's not going to happen. I'm not going to fight because at the end of the day, it's their intellectual property. They would win if we ever went to court over it, so I tried. They fought it, so that's it. I'm backing down. WWE star reacts to fan hoping the company drops his gimmick soon. Cardona explained that he filed for the trademark because he wanted to sell merchandise and do a Matt Cardona versus Zack Ryder cinematic match. He stated that, in his opinion, Zack Ryder is dead, but the cinematic match would have been cool and he's grateful for that time. This would have been a really unique concept and I'm actually now pretty disappointed that it didn't happen. I mean... What does WWE really have to gain by, by blocking this sort of thing from happening? It actually could have been pretty good exposure for WWE if they allowed Matt Cardona to use their intellectual property. But, you know, once again, this is WWE being WWE. Oh, unless it's on our programming, we can't let it happen. Your thoughts, Kentucky guy? Well, I think it's a bunch of crap. Uh, I think that uh, I always thought that you could get your name for $500. If you paid like a $500 fee, I think uh, Warren actually is the one that brought that out to me on one of our episodes. But he mentioned something about you could get your old WWF name or WWE name if you paid like a $500 fee or something like that. So this trademark, this is ridiculous. And I am sure, I'm 100% positive that Triple H, who is a Matt Cardona fan, is not a part of this in any way, shape, or form. Remember, he's just over creative. He's writing the shows and doing a heck of a job doing that. But I think that this is this is somebody, I don't know if it's Vince. I don't know if it's Vince. It's right around the time Vince took back over as chairman of the board. But I don't know. I don't know who it is. But it's somebody that's got a grudge against this guy because they have become more lenient with these guys getting their names back and other promotions in the last two years than they ever have. So for them to fight Zack Ryder name and knowing that he probably won't ever come back, especially now, doesn't make sense because he's a heck of a talent and they blew it when he was there once. And don't think that he's, it's like saying that Cody Rhodes was going to come back as Stardust. Don't think that he's coming back as Zack Ryder. Like you said, Zack Ryder, the character's dead. The cinematic version, would have been great. So I'm wondering if they fought him on the woo-woo because he trademarked that too around the same time, if you remember, we did a report on. So I wonder if he still has that or not. It's just, I think it's ridiculous. And I think it shows the pettiness of the WWE. Oh, it does undoubtedly. And, and I think this puts the rumors to rest. When uh, people heard that Chelsea Green, Matt Cardona's real-life wife, re-signed with WWE, they automatically assumed when he was trying to file the trademark for Zack Ryder that, oh, that means he's coming back, right? 
Well, well, not so fast. If these reports are to be believed, yeah, it's just it's yeah, it is. I mean, it's it, and it, it's wrestling, right? That's why we call this segment "Rumors and News," because basically, just like Aleister Black and Murphy on AEW, oh, they're gone. They're back in WWE when they were taking personal time off to handle personal stuff. So, therefore, I tell everybody on the Political News podcast. And I guess I'm going to have to start saying it here, too, because I'm finding out a lot of stuff from watching these other uh, so-called experts and podcasters about the trying to come up with different headlines for the news. And when I fact-check them, 80% are incorrect. They hear half a story or see half a headline, they run with it, and they don't go all the way through to the next five or ten pages. You know, these headlines, they're not... They're not done with just one article. These are pieces grabbed from here and there, and it's true research. And like I tell everybody on the other podcast, I want you guys do your own research. Don't ever take what we say to heart, you know, 100%, or especially what anybody else says. Go do your own research and find out for yourself. That's the only way you're really going to know. All right, next headline. Be yours. I can get my mic to work. Several AEW stars were unable to appear on Wednesday's Dynamite. AEW and WWE are dealing with talent being out due to visa issues. Kenny Omega has been away from AEW due to this reason, while several NXT stars from the UK had been absent. Some stars are back or have already made their return, such as Ilya Dragunov, who returned on Tuesday's NXT. However, for AEW, Bandito and the Lucha Brothers are out right now for this reason. While speaking on Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted these three stars missed this week's Dynamite because of visa issues. A lot of people brought up what happened with Pentagon, Phoenix, and Bandito. There's visa issues and it's all through wrestling right now. WWE's finally cleared it up. So many of these people have had issues coming in. Here you are in El Paso, Texas. And Bandito, Phoenix, and Pentagon would have been over like crazy on this show. And they were not even on the show. I mean, on the card, they weren't on Dark Elevation. I knew they weren't going to be on Dynamite, but they weren't on Rampage either. And they probably would have been the most over guys on the entire show. I would think Pentagon would have been the most over guy on the show had he been available for the show, Meltzer stated. Yeah, I mean... Visa issues happen all the time, and I mean all the time in professional wrestling. And, you know, I don't know whether to blame it on the company, it's an oversight on the company's part, or whether it's the wrestlers themselves, they need to really get their visa issues in check. But this causes a huge lapse in programming, because especially if you have a a talent who has an ongoing storyline, and suddenly they're absent for three or four weeks because of visa issues, I mean... Talk about making the audience lose interest in the product. I mean, there's no better way to to kill somebody's momentum than that. So I hope whatever visa issues are going on that they're resolved very quickly because there are some big stars that are missing from TV right now all because of visa issues. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why uh, Fury couldn't fight Jake Paul in the last YouTube boxing match or what have you. And you're hearing this more and more in professional sports. First of all, I've got to say, if it's due to visas running out, if that's the true issue, uh, wrestlers, you're big boys. You're grown up. Last time I checked, you had to be at least 18 or older to be a professional wrestler these days. 
So if you have a visa, you need to keep up with it and make sure it's renewed. Now, if the, in the face of Tommy Fury, when he was blocked from coming into the country because of other shenanigans going on, nobody really knows the whole story there, but I can't wait until these two finally get in the ring next month. No, this month, the 26th of this month, uh, Jake Paul versus uh, Tommy Fury. I can't wait to watch this match. And I know it's boxing. We're talking about wrestling, but they're going to do it in Saudi Arabia. And I promise you, there won't be any issues with them being able to get in. The, no more excuses. Let's just put it that way. No more excuses. So these visa things. Now, it's impossible. As many foreign wrestlers there are for AEW, WWE, Impact, what have you, to keep track of everybody's visa dates. It's impossible. That is a personal thing. And this is your career. This is your employment. This is how you make money to feed your family. It should be on the top of your list to make sure it's in check. Period. Period. I can't see anywhere we can blame any company for this because it's your personal visa. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. If the country's pulling something and making you stay and it's not because the visa ran out, but security clearance or something like that, that's different. But if your visa ran out, there's a date on there. I've got a passport. It's just like a passport. There's a date on there. And most, like, my passport was good for 10 years, which I need to check. It might be uh, actually time to renew it. Anyways, you need to keep up with that stuff. Mommy and Daddy can't do it for you. You're grown now. You're a rest. All right. Next headline. Big name expected to return tonight on WWE Friday Night SmackDown. Reports are swarming that Ronda Rousey had, was spotted in Connecticut today. Tonight's show will take place in Mohegan Sun Arena in Uncasville, uh, Connecticut. Rousey's appearance tonight would be her first time back since losing the WWE uh, SmackDown Women's Championship to Charlotte Flair. Rousey has been pushing to become a tag team wrestler with Shayna Baszler, and the current plans are for them to challenge for the women's tag team titles at WrestleMania. The following matches that are advertised so far for tonight's show are Braun Strowman and Ricochet will challenge for the Usos for the Smack, SmackDown tag team titles. Karrion Cross versus Rey Mysterio versus Madcap Moth versus Santa, uh, Santos Escobar. The winner of this match will get a, a title shot at the Intercontinental title against Gunther. That's got to be Karrion Cross. Got to be carrying cross. He's the only one that would put up a a true challenge. Uh, Corb, uh, no, we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. All right, so yeah, so let let me make my prediction, sir, and I'll let you make yours. Carrying cross has got to be the one because it seems just seems like that's where it's got to go. I can't see un, these other guys do not seem like they would stand a chance against uh, Ray Mysterio's already tried it and failed for tax though. Ron Strowman and Ricochet, I'm wondering if Jey Uso is going to show up. And if he doesn't, I don't, I mean, there's this big video out now about how their dynasty might come to an end tonight. I, I really, I don't know what to say on this. It, he can't, you know, they don't have the uh, Freebird uh, mechanism like New Day had. They can't just give it to Solo and say, here, you defend it. I don't think, I don't think, I don't know. It, it's going to be a very interesting night on SmackDown. And then Ronda Rousey, yeah, she needs to come back. She's looking like a total wimp. 
And if they're going to build this thing towards WrestleMania, she needs to uh, start hyping it now. WrestleMania is a lot closer than what we think. Anyway, sir, your thoughts? Well, it sounds like we've got a jam-packed episode of SmackDown, first of all. Um, as far as the Ronda Rousey thing, I think the idea of putting her and Shayna Baszler together as a tag team is great because I think they could actually add legitimacy to the women's titles. They could be dominant for months and months, just steamroll over every single um, tag team that comes their way before eventually dropping the titles. Because honestly, I was not impressed with Ronda's last run as SmackDown Women's Champion. Um, I'm glad the belt's back on Charlotte Flair. So they need to do something to freshen up the Ronda Rousey character. And I think this is the way to do it. Um, As far as the Intercontinental uh, Contenders match, I will also be really angry. As much as I love Rey Mysterio, don't misunderstand me. I love Rey Mysterio. He's one of my all-time favorites. But... Karrion Cross absolutely should win this match. That could be a really good showdown between him and Gunther. I know it's heel versus heel, but you you can make it work. You you really can make it work. Every now and then you've got to mix you got to shake things up. There's nothing wrong with having these two face each other at uh, Elimination Chamber for the Intercontinental Title. And then uh, I mean, last but not least, we've got the tag team titles. Even though I'm kind of intrigued by the pairing of Ricochet and Braun Strowman, these two are not the two to win the tag team titles right now. And if the Usos were to drop the belts, it would have to be on a bigger stage. I predict that Jay is going to show up late in this match. He's going to ultimately score the victory for his team, but there's still going to be a rift there between him and the rest of the bloodline. But I do not see the Usos losing this match on SmackDown tonight. Yeah, I mean, it'd be hard to it'd be hard to swallow a makeshift team winning the title, winning the titles from somebody who's broke the team that's broke the record for holding them the longest ever in history. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. Let's see here. So, next headline. So, to start this headline off, I'm going to go over one match that occurred on Raw because it has everything to do with this headline. And that was Baron Corbin had a match against Dexter Loomis, and he lost to Dexter Loomis. And the headline is, JBL no longer booked for WWE shows going forward. John Bradshaw Layfield's current run has ended. The insider reported today that JBL is not scheduled to appear on WWE programming going forward. This past Monday on Raw, Uh, Baron Corbin lost another match, and it was made clear that JBL was not happy about it. After the show, they posted a video of JBL saying that he did not want to be associated with Corbin any longer because he was making him look bad by losing so many matches. Corbin has been on a losing streak on TV and at the house show. The belief was that giving Corbin a manager would give him a boost, but but this last latest run hasn't worked out the future for corbin on raw brand is anyone's guess at this point corbin was one of the people that vince mcmahon always had time for it will be interesting to see if triple h feels the same way if when they decide to repackage him again yeah so i i watched that uh actually jbl said something corbin said i'll do better and he goes you can't polish a turd (laughs) i thought it was great and uh you know, we've seen that this wasn't working out, and I think it's time for Corbin to move on. I'm going to say it again. 
I never was a fan of his, and I really just think everything's caught up, and he's not over with the fan. He just needs to go away. Bye-bye. Your thoughts. So, all right, so ironically enough, now I agree with you right now as far as how he's been booked and the pairing of JBL about it not working, Kentucky guy. I agree with you 100%. Um, nothing Baron Corbin has done in like the last two years has worked. Um, when he was in NXT originally, and they had that lone wolf gimmick that he was doing, which is the same thing he did when he came to the main roster, I liked that. I liked the sort of like pseudo-biker look that he had. He was kind of... He was portrayed as being kind of tough, kind of somebody who could fight his own battles and everything. And now he's a t- he's a six foot seven wimp who's just an absolute joke of a wrestler. Um, if they were to take him off TV and have him go back to a gimmick similar to the Lone Wolf, then I'd be interested again. But otherwise, I think he's just taken up a roster spot at this point, and you might as well just release him. Yep, I agree. Okay, sir, you got the next two headlines. Next headline. Former WWE Women's Champ hints that she's not returning to the company. Naomi, whose real name is Trinity Fatu, she's the wife of Jimmy Uso, may have indicated she will not be coming back to the WWE. Due to a creative dispute, Naomi and Sasha Banks walked out of WWE last May. Sasha Banks, of course, has recently debuted as Mercedes Monet for New Japan Pro Wrestling at Wrestle Kingdom 17. There hadn't been much talk with Naomi about her future in the wrestling business compared to Sasha for months. When Sasha Banks made her NJPW debut, it was reported that Naomi was expected to make a return to WWE. The most recent update came from Dave Meltzer last month that talks between WWE and Naomi were ongoing, but nothing had been signed. In her Instagram bio, she updated it to state, Just Trinity. She removed any WWE-related info from the account long ago, but this is a clear statement that she plans to go by Trinity, her real name going forward, and seemingly not with WWE. I mean, they always say, never say never in this business, and right now, Trinity Fought 2 might not have any interest in coming back to WWE, but we don't know what the future holds. If WWE were to make her the right offer and say, well, we're going to book you this way, she might be enticed to come back. But otherwise, I would say, yeah, this is absolutely an accurate report, and we probably shouldn't expect her back on television anytime soon. Yeah, here's the thing, and you may be able to answer this for me. I don't know. Has she ever worked at at another company? I have only ever known her as a WWE employee, and that's it. Yeah, so I I don't know if there's a whole lot of companies wanting, wanting to hire her, if you know what I mean. I don't know. I never. She's not a. She's not a Sasha Banks. She's not a Charlotte Flair. She's she's not a main eventer, and never has been. And I thought that the WWE Glow was probably the highest that she was ever going to get, and that's probably true. Probably true. So I'm kind of shocked that saying never and burning that bridge with the WWE because you know, I mean, that's where she was raised. <laughs> All right, so uh, before we go to your next headline, let's uh, let's go over a couple dynamite results. Uh, the AEW World Championship Eliminator match between MJF versus Takashiti. Winner, as I predicted on Monday, MJF. And then we had the AEW Trios Championship match, the Elite versus AR Fox 
and Top Flight. Of course, the Elite won the match. And then we had Brian Danielson versus Rush. This was actually a pretty good match. I, I thought it was a great match. And But the winner, unfortunately, Brian Danielson. Uh, your thoughts on those matches, sir? I'm just going to pretend that you said unfortunately when Brian Danielson won that match. But a uh, very physical contest between him and Rush. Very happy with the result. Um, like I said, you got to make your future AEW world champion look strong. And that's what they did. And I was happy about that. But speaking of your current AEW world champion, I mean, he he made a, a big statement in his victory over Takashita. So I got to give him credit where credit's due. Um, so MJF still looking strong going into that clash with Brian Danielson, which I'm really looking forward to. And I mean, the trios championship was pretty much a, um, a no brainer. I give top flight and AR Fox credit for, uh, for looking good in defeat, but I, I mean, it's the elite we're talking about here. They're, they're not going to lose on an episode of dynamite, especially to some up and comers. Agreed. 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 All right, sir. Next headline is yours. Impact Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling teaming up for Multiverse United. Only the Strong Survive event in Los Angeles. Multiverse United, Only the Strong Survive, just rolls right off the tongue, will feature must-see cross-promotional dream matches. Speedball Mike Bailey versus Will Ospreay, expected to be a high-energy action-packed match of the year candidate. Impact Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling will co-produce a major live pro wrestling show on March 30th at the Globe Theater in Los Angeles with megastars from both promotions. The show, Multiverse United, will air live on pay-per-view on Fight TV starting at 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Impact World Champion Josh Alexander steps into the ring against Kushida, while Speedball Mike Bailey, as I said earlier, battles Will Ospreay in the co-main event that is guaranteed to be a non-stop fight for bragging rights. The Bailey-Ospreay battle is their fifth ever one-on-one contest, but their first since August of 2022 and dating back to 2015, which is when they had their very first matchup. Josh Alexander is the longest reigning Impact World Champion and also was one half of the decorated tag team, the North, which holds the record for the longest reign for the Impact World Tag Team titles. Kushida is a six-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, two-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champion with the Time Splitters teammate Alex Shelley, also a two-time winner of the prestigious Best of the Super Juniors Tournament, and, and I, I also should mention a former NXT Cruiserweight Champion. Also confirmed for this event are Jeff Cobb, who's going to battle former Impact World Champion Moose, and also featured will be X Division Champion Trey Miguel, Ace Austin and Chris Bay, plus most of the Knockouts Division. New Japan Pro Wrestling will be represented by Kenta, Rocky Romero, Minoru Suzuki, Clark Connors, Kevin Knight, Fred Rosser, also known as um, Darren Young in WWE, and many, many others. Tickets for the Multiverse event start at $60 and go on sale this Friday, February 10th, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So uh, this is a pretty exciting event here, uh, Kentucky Guy for Wrestling Purists. I haven't seen a lot of speedball Mike Bailey, but I've heard he is a really exceptional athlete in the ring. 
we all know what Will Ospreay is capable of. I mean, this guy's a former IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. He's been an IWGP US Champion. He's the real deal. So this is going to be a great contest. And uh, Kushida's amazing. So him going one-on-one -on -one against Josh Alexander, that's also going to be a great battle. And like I said, so many, many big names are going to be a part of this event. So if you're a, if you just love pure wrestling, this is this is going to be an event you don't want to miss. If you are an independent wrestling fan like this guy, you are pumped for this event. My only hope, my only hope, is please do not ruin this event like you did the Forbidden Door. Please do not ruin this event like Tony Khan did and had to have all his guys. Just don't do it, okay? And as far as speedball, let me tell you something. He is the most talented, unknown wrestler out there right now. This guy, it's a shame. It, it truly is that his name's not out there more. But he, if you're an independent fan, you know that this guy is a carbon copy of Will Offspray. And this match is something to be excited about. And you mentioned a couple other names there, like the Ace Austin. Wow, I haven't heard that name in forever. That, that, that blows my mind that he's going to be a part of this. So this is one pay-per-view. If you love wrestling and you follow independent wrestling, if you follow independent wrestling and New Japan wrestling, you're already, you've already bought the pay-per-view. You're like me. It's, it's done. It's over. Okay? But, 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 if you like it a little bit or if you watched it at one time and you stopped watching it because it's so hard to find and, you got to really dig around, and most of your independent wrestling, you got to pay to watch. It's truth. You got to pay to watch, but it's worth it, and you will want to see this pay per view. So, man, I couldn't believe that headline. That, that amazing. That that's just fantastic. Okay, uh, next. AEW <laughs> star not happy about MJF getting so much TV time on the past Dynamite. Oh, good lord, who do we have here? Eddie Kingston made it very clear on Twitter that he wasn't too happy about MJF getting so much time last night on AEW Dynamite. Kingston tweeted, Side note, since we need, since we need to see his world champion, his world champ three times within an hour and a half, when is it when it's a two-hour show? And then he used some bad words. House of Black and F the roster. Born a line, die alone. I tried. I don't need anyone, including Mox and Penta, F everyone, especially the Pillar. Kingston is a stickler for KFAB, so you never know for sure if he's shooting or working. But my guess is that he's just carrying over things he would have said on TV to his Twitter account. Kingston has previously said negative things about MJF. It seems as if Kingston versus MJF has to happen at some point this year. Last night during Dynamite, Kingston said the following about MJF's promo segment. So how long was that long-winded fake full crap, uh, full crap take from MJF? Oh, 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 Eddie Kingston, you're already just a fat slob that nobody likes anyways. Are you really going to mess and go down this road with MJF? Really? I mean, didn't you learn anything from Chris Jericho? Come on. Didn't you learn anything from, and I hate saying his name, from CM Punk? I mean, dude, you're not a true wrestler. You're a fat piece of slob. Your thoughts, sir? 
Uh, I mean, come on, Eddie Kingston's the modern-day equivalent to Terry Funk, right? Mick Foley, all the greats. I'm kidding, of course. Look, uh, Kentucky guy, I know I, I know. I keep pushing the, the narrative that Brian Danielson's going to be the next AEW world champion, but until that, ha until that happens, MJF is the man of the hour, and I'm glad he just... He needs to put Eddie Kingston in his place. I almost want to see him bury Eddie Kingston in a match on television after this. I'm sure this whole thing is meant to be a work, but it, but but they want it to come across like it's a shoot. I just, I don't get this obsession with Eddie Kingston. I really don't. I have never been a fan of the guy. Maybe I just haven't seen some of his better matches. I, I don't know. Maybe I missed the train. But the little sample size I've had, I have, have seen... I don't understand why he's still in the spotlight. MJF is above this feud. Let's just, maybe he'll just ignore it and Eddie Kingston will go away. I, I don't know, but, uh, man, I, I mean, MJF is your world champ. What do you expect? He's going to get the spotlight. That, that's just the way it is in any wrestling promotion. And why is he taking up for House of Black? I thought that's who he's supposed to be feuding with, right? Zero cent. Zero cent. Well, it probably ties into the narrative that the House of Black is trying to bring out the true Eddie Kingston. I, I, I don't know. Eddie Kingston doesn't fit with that group, so I hope it's not alluding to him joining the House of Black. No, because they're finally starting to get some legitimacy. Speaking of legitimacy, something you said a couple of headlines ago, buddy, I, that I just seen this next thing that we're going to talk about, and it reminded me, what do you mean Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler is going to bring legitimacy to the women's tag team title. I mean, the freaking damage controller, the champs, how much more legitimacy can you get? How, how dare you? How dare you? I mean, they're two M MMA fighters. I mean, they've, they've snapped people's arms in real life in addition to in kayfabe, so. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay, before we move on to the next headline, let's go over the more raw results. We eventually had the stage cage, uh, the steel cage match. Betty uh, Becky Lynch, you got me so tore up. I'm calling her Betty. Becky Lynch versus Bailey. Becky Lynch did win. Boo hoo! However, Hall of Famer Lita shows up. Why? Why bring Lita back? Why she comes in and helps Bailey or helps uh, Becky Lynch fight off Bailey and Damage Control? No idea why she's even there. She's out of shape. She's not a wrestler anymore. I mean, come on, you had your 15 minutes of fame. Move on. We had a fatal four-way elimination chamber match, qualifying match, and that was Machine versus Candice LeRae versus Carmella versus Piper, formerly known as Dewdrop. The winner, returning from nowhere, beautiful Carmella is your winner. And then we had another elimination for the men's qualifying match, which I kind of gave this away on the last headline. Elias versus Montez Ford. Montez Ford was your winner. Could this be the start of his single career? I could only hope and pray that it is. All right, sir, your thoughts on those? Well, I I think we got the right winners in all the, in all these matches. To be honest, um, you know, Be Becky Lynch once again proved that she was the man, and it looks like she's going to be teaming up with Lita against Damage Control. In fact, there's a match that's rumored for. Elimination Chamber, which, listen, the Kentucky guy, if you want damage control to be even more legitimate, if they were to win this rumored match at Elimination Chamber, then then there you go. You would have your wish right there. Because uh, 
Becky Lynch is the only woman who's uh, is one of the only three women who has headlined WrestleMania. So that's legitimacy right there. Um, so, uh, so yeah, her t- teaming up with Lita and possibly another Hall of Famer that would be great at, at Elimination Chamber. A really good, uh, really good showdown. Um, as far as the women's Elimination Chamber match, uh, I, I would say I agree with Carmella going over. I mean, she's been off television for a while. She's a former champion herself. I mean, there's no no reason to not ever go over here. And Montez Ford beating Elias. Listen, I love Elias's shtick. He always entertains me. But um, that's my point: is that he's he's more of an entertainer than a than a wrestler. Even though I don't I don't think he's a terrible wrestler by any means. But I know they've hinted for a long while now that Montez Ford was going to have a rocket strapped to his back, and and this is a chance for him to showcase some of his uh, skills as a singles wrestler for possibly foreshadowing what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, I personally think that uh, before he launches his true singles career, he must turn heel. I just mark it down. And as far as Elias, man, Elias, uh, I don't even know why he came back. He came back to lose every single match that he's a part of. He might as well join Alpha Academy. I mean, come on. Next headline. Seth Rollins, quote, the beef is squashed between Ric Flair and Becky Lynch. We had a good moment at Raw 30, Raw Anniversary 30. Seth Rollins appeared on the Pat McAfee show today. We have some uh, transcript highlights below, but make sure to scroll down to watch the full interview. Well, I watched the full interview, and it was decent, but this is the main things that I got from it. So Seth Rollins comparing work less matches this past year compared to wrestlers from years ago working 300 nights a week. We're not sitting in headlocks for two hours out there. We're coming off the top rope. We're flying all around. The expectations, our audience is so different. It's like the NFL has evolved in so much, and you have a lot of the old hats who say it's not the same thing. Sure, the quarterbacks don't take as much punishment as they used to, but the game is so much faster. The hits are so more, so much more dynamic because of the speed of the game has picked up. It's the same thing in our industry. It's high impact all the time. Bang, 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 bang. So even if we're not doing, say, 300 matches a year, it's a different type of physicality we're experiencing in there. It's just totally different. On Flair, making up with Becky Lynch. The beef is squashed between him and Becky. I'll put it out there right now. Beef squashed between Ric Flair and Becky Lynch. To be fair, my wife never had beef with Rick. Rick had beef with her. And he, and he was man enough to come up to apologize to myself and to her. I thought that was awesome because I love Rick and I want to have a ton of respect for him. And the fact that he was able to put his ego aside, bygones by, be bygones. We had a good moment at WrestleMania or Raw 30th anniversary and he is the nature boy, one of the greatest of all time on the Mount Rushmore of any wrestling list. And the beef was, basically, Ric Flair was offended when Becky Lynch started calling herself the man. But I did that in a previous episode where Ric Flair, he just basically said, what was he thinking? You know, the crowd, the audience decides who the man was. And I'm glad to see the Nature Boy come around and seen the wrongs. Basically, he's seen their baby backstage, and he thought, my God, that could be Charlotte one day. So I'm, I'm glad that he was man enough to... uh Take that out, and I'm glad this beef is squashed. Now, 
the next headline that I've got, I know you've got another one, but I'm going to go ahead and go into it because it has to do with the same interview. But I'm going to let you go ahead and unpack this one first between Ric Flair and Becky Lynch, sir. So what are your thoughts on it? I'm glad that they were able to squash this issue. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it, it's just a nickname. I mean, Ric Flair had many nicknames over the course of his career. The man was just one of them. He used to always say, to be the man, you got to beat the man. So, like, like you said, you know, he recognized that the fans see Becky Lynch as, you know, the man at, at this particular time. So, for him to say, I'm not going to take personal offense to it anymore. Let's just squash this issue once and for all. Let bygones be bygones. Class act. So I can appreciate that. Yep, yep, yep. All right, let me uh, go over this next headline real quick. Seth Rollins on Logan Paul. I don't want you a part of my business if you're going to leech off. Seth Rollins continues to talk about Logan Paul adding more fuel to the fire that WWE is building to a WrestleMania 39 match. Rollins lashed out at Paul in character during an Instagram live session last week where he noted that they're going to come face-to-face and Paul doesn't doesn't want none. While appearing on the Pat McAfee show, the WWE color commentator was praising Paul's transition into the world of pro wrestling. Rollins called Paul out for being selfish. Quote, he doesn't care about nothing but himself. I can respect the hustle. All right, I really do, because it takes hustle to get to where he is at and to get the opportunities he's got. But at the end of the day, it's about passion. No one is going to suit up and play in football, NFL football, because they're a social media superstar, right? They're going to get the cream. He's going to step into my world, and he's going to get cream. If you want to contribute and give back to our industry, you're a fan of it. And you love it, right, Pat? You're a fan of it. You love it. You gave back to it. You talk about it any chance you get, and you put it over. That's not him, dude. That's not him. He's in it for himself. He's in it for his own gain. So I don't want you in my business if you're going to leech off in it, and you're going to take from it. Great if you're going to help out, and if you're going to make everything as good as you can. But if you're going to come and do it for you, look, I can only judge what he's done in the past, his own history. That's foretelling for the future. And that's why I don't like the guy. That's why I don't dig the guy. And he's going to go rub it in on social media. He's going to talk his talk, but he don't want to say nothing to my face, Rollins stated. Rollins said Paul is not his cup of tea, and Paul knows where to find him. (laughs) Okay, so Seth Rollins is the man. And he will destroy Logan Paul. He's put a lot of great people over, but not this guy. I do not feel that Seth will even be willing to put this guy over. If he does, I'll be badly fooled, and I'll be pretty ticked off. Your thoughts, sir? Well, Seth Rollins is one of those guys who can make anybody look good. So I'm not concerned about a match between Seth Rollins and Logan Paul being bad. I, I, I'm, I'm sure it's going to tear the house down. Um I mean, if I was booking it, sure, I'd want Seth Rollins to win. But as we've seen in the past, Seth is not unwilling to put other wrestlers over. I mean, look what what happened. Well, look what he did for Cody Rhodes when Cody Rhodes came back to WWE. I mean, he 
I mean, Cody Rose is a superstar already, but Seth Rollins made him look like an even bigger superstar in their trilogy of matches. But um, this interview is, in my opinion, easily a combination of Seth giving his real-life opinion of Logan Paul and Seth giving his opinion in character. And that's I like how they blur the lines there. The fact that Logan Paul eliminated him from the Royal Rumble, I remember thinking to myself, oh, they're setting up a, a match between them at WrestleMania. There's no question about it. And again, if it were me, I would not book Seth Rollins to lose this match, but we will just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, you're not going to want to talk to me after WrestleMania if Seth, <laughs> if Seth Rollins loses to Logan Paul. Nobody's going to want to hear. All right, so, so uh, next headline. It's all yours. Former WWE star dropping comedy gimmick to become a serious wrestler. Dirty Dango, also known as Fandango from WWE, was known to be an excellent wrestler before he became a comedy act in WWE a decade ago. After being given a strong push, which included a win over Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. Dango portrayed a dancer and other gimmicks in WWE before he was let go. He made his Impact Wrestling debut last year at Bound for Glory. Last month, it was reported that he signed with the promotion. While speaking on the Windy City Slam podcast, Dirty Dongo confirmed he has signed a one-year deal and brought up his history with the promotion dating back to 2003. When he got the call from the promotion to come in while he was a free agent, it was a no-brainer decision. I'm a real big fan of Josh Alexander. Some of the X Division guys, I'm a huge fan of their work. I just don't know if I can keep up with them. Heath, Myers, guys like that. In the past, I was in more of a comedy shtick, wrestling with them. Now I'm working a little bit more of a serious style. My match with Myers in Albany, it felt good to get out there for, for 10 to 15 minutes and give a good wrestling match and not have to do a complete comedy act. I don't have my eyes set on one person just to prove to management that I'm not a comedy act. When bell rings, I can go. So... It's interesting that he wants to shift his focus at this point in his career because especially when he was a part of uh, Brizango with Tyler Breeze, they became more of a comedy act. They had that skit that they would do on SmackDown called the um, the Fashion Police, which was admittedly was funny, but it took away a lot of the focus. And I've always believed that if you're a really good wrestler, you can balance the lighthearted moments but you could still go into the ring and put on a really good match. And that's kind of what he did when he first debuted the Fandango gimmick. He had the, you know, this goofy over the top ballroom dancer that he would be when he would walk to the ring. And then when it came to wrestling in the actual match, it was, he, he was, he was all business. So in some ways I'm happy for him that he gets to reinvent his character a little bit, but it's just, I don't know. It's weird seeing a guy who portrayed a comedy act for so long now want to be taken seriously. Yeah, I would think that he was near the end of his career, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I never was a fan anyway, so even on Impact, I watched him as uh, Dirty Durango, and I just, I don't know. I, he never was my... Okay, uh, let's see. I've got the next headline. Alexa Bliss taking time off of from WWE TV. Alexa Bliss has not appeared on WWE TV since losing to Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair at the Royal Rumble, but her time away from TV 
has nothing to do with injury issues. Reports that Bliss is taking some time away from uh, the company was also noted that going was noted that going into Royal Rumble show, it had already been known that she was going to take some time off. So it was already in the work for at least days, if not weeks. In recent weeks, WWE has been teasing that Bliss will align herself with Uncle Howdy, Bray Wyatt, with WrestleMania less than two months away. One would assume that she'll be back soon to resume her storyline. At this point, Bliss is not being advertised for the Elimination Chamber. So it's looking like whenever she returns to TV will happen sometime after that event. Wyatt recently commented on his future storyline plans that included Bliss, and apparently there's a lot more to come. So, yeah, it's a strange time to take time off because we're all kind of hanging on what the heck is going on, and we didn't get any more answers on Raw with Bray Wyatt and Uncle Howdy. We're left out the hung to dry once again. Ugh, it's frustrating. Yes, I'm glad he's back, but no, I don't understand what the heck's going on. And I, I just, I don't get it. By the way, Bray Wyatt is not scheduled for Elimination Chamber either. Why aren't we talking about that in these headlines? Nobody's mentioning that. I think a match is just going to pop up out of thin air. We're literally a week away. Your thoughts? Well, I was just going to say, uh, Kentucky guy, I mean, we had the pitch black match at Royal Rumble. They might Next, we might see Bray Wyatt in a uh, thin air match. Yeah, I love your comedy style. You got any comments about the headline? Um, you know, it is weird timing to uh, have Alexa Bliss disappear off the of television after they've been heavily hinting that she has some connection to Bray Wyatt and Uncle Howdy. I mean, unless there's a big payoff that's planned behind the scenes that we just don't know about. I don't know. It's just weird for them to take her, let her take time off right now. But I mean, I mean everybody needs a break from the road. I get it. But, it, but, you know, it's just when when you want to have answers to all these questions, it's just so frustrating as a viewer to not know where the storyline's going. Don't don't lose a match at a major pay-per-view against Ponytail Girl and then have this Uncle Howdy show up on screen after you just went through L.A. night through a fire pit right before that, have him show up on screen and then take time off and not give us anything at all. Nothing. It's frustrating for any wrestling fan, die hard or not. All right, so let's go over the rest of the results from Dynamite before we get into the next headline. Uh, let's see, AEW World Championship Eliminator match. Jamie Hayter versus The Bunny. Jamie Hayter was the winner. The Bunny, rumors have it, I haven't confirmed this yet, but rumors have it that she suffered a concussion during the match. I thought the match was decent. I mean, I knew who the outcome was going to be, but I thought it was decent. Ricky Starks had a gauntlet match versus the Jericho Appreciation Society. Daniel Garcia ended up getting the pin on Ricky Starks. However, there was interference by a masked man, and that masked man was Chris Jericho, who was in the audience from the time the gauntlet begun until he interfered, and nobody knew it. Genius genius that's why he is the goat and then a match that i actually predicted but i thought billy gunn would get involved he didn't not yet the AEW world tag team championship match the acclaim versus the new world tag team champions the guns 
Colton and Austin. Like I said, the AEW World Tag Team titles are a joke now on AEW, and it wouldn't surprise me if the guns won. And guess what? They did. Your thoughts, sir? Well, uh, first of all, if the rumors about the bunny suffering a concussion are true, that's a very bad break for her because she was just out for several months uh, with another injury. And concussions are never anything to joke about. Um, I know there are varying degrees that people can get concussions. Um, so I just hope she has a speedy recovery and is feeling better. Um, Jamie Hayter winning the match was a foregone conclusion. Still got to book. You have to book the AEW Women's Champion to look strong. So I, I totally agree with that decision to have her go over. Um, you know, tag team titles. I've said, uh, you know, a couple of times now that I'm not a big fan of the acclaimed and the whole scissor me daddy gimmick, but I am not a fan of the gun club winning the titles. I, I was hoping it was going to be a more legitimate tag team. The gun club are still unproven talents in my opinion. So the acclaimed losing it here makes absolutely no sense to me. I, I can only hope that the gun club are going to drop the belt to FTR or some other legitimate tag team in the very near future. Because the, the, the world tag team title division needs a big boost in AEW at this at this time. And then uh, the Ricky Starks gauntlet match. I mean, Ricky Starks should have gone over here. There's no question about it. Chris Jericho, he's still hanging around. He's still interfering in matches. Yes, he's, a, he's an all-time great. I'm not going to question that. But, you know, dude, come on. Um, you're getting up there in years now. Um, it's time to let the young talent go over. Are you? I mean, I mean, it is what it are is. Are you Sorry. kidding me? You know how many people he's put over? This Ricky Stark. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of Ricky Stark, but you're dead wrong here. He has been put over enough by Chris Jericho. Ricky Stark's also won the first two matches of the Gauntlet, so there, he doesn't show as weakness or anything like that coming out of this match. So in a sense, he was put over some, but enough. With Chris Jericho getting old, he can go like anyone in this business. And he will be, he will be La Champion once again. Mark it down. You're hearing it right now on Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. The Kentucky guy's predicting. I don't know when, but he will be La Champion once again. Now, this next headline, I'm only reading it because people are talking about it. I know the truth behind this, but people are talking about it, so let's get into it, because Dave Meltzer has to stir up trouble whenever he can. So the last headline. CM Punk will be available for WWE or AEW, WWE, for AEW soon if they want to use him again. CM Punk has been missing from AEW programming since early September following a backstage brawl with the Elite after the all-out pay-per-view event. Everyone involved was suspended except for a still who was fired. Punk is also out of action with an injury that required surgery as he suffered a torn tricep during the main event against John Moxley. While speaking on Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer was talking about how AEW needs a top babyface to feud with the world champion MJF. Meltzer brought up fans thinking, Punk could be in that spot. Meltzer only mentioned the typical timetable for recovery of his kind of injury and noted that if the two sides can work something out, then he would be available. 
it is still unknown what Punk's future holds in wrestling. The latest update on Punk was last month when it was reported that CM Punk, the CM Punk side believes that AEW President Tony Khan has put Punk on ice for the time being. Quote, but they are lacking in the babyface position, something fierce that had a shot with MJF. Obviously, they did the double cross on that. MJF was great as a heel tonight, but they don't have the guy, that guy, that one one of the reasons Punk not going to be the guy either. I know some people might say, well, Punk's coming back. Punk may come back. He will be available to come back if they want to use him in a couple months. It's not like it's so far in the future. Of course, if they were to bring Punk back, that opens up a lot of other issues that we can talk about another day. That's the weakness. There's no easy answer to this. It's not like you can snap your fingers and create a baby face, Meltzer said. Okay, so first of all, with the heat and him going on the elite in the back room, and I'm just going to talk like Dave Meltzer knows what he's talking about here, okay? With the heat and everything that where CM Punk attacked the elite and started it all, we know that now. That's not a rumor. That is 100% clad proof, clad proof through my resources. We know that happened as CM Punk started it all. Now, here's the thing as far as the physicality. Now, how can he be even thought of as a babyface if they were to bring him back? He's never going to be on AEW television again unless something drastically changed and I haven't been made aware. But I have put the word out. If something changes on that note, you let me know ASAP because I got to let you guys know because I'm not going to tell you something's 100%. And then find out that, oh, it changed and not tell you. No, I'm not in the, I'm not into, uh, surprises like that. So anywho, if let's say something crazy happened and they did bring him back, how in the world could you bring him back as a baby face after he attacked the greatest baby face, even when they're heels duo, the young bucks, uh, in any wrestling organization? So everything Dave Muster said in this makes zero sense. Zero sense. If you want to bring in a baby face and have him wrestle a true baby face, somebody that's been there before, that's got the integrity to actually challenge MJF, you need to bring in Will Offspray. You do. You need to bring in Will Offspray. Or you need to start turning Adam Coles, his, his heel into a baby face around and he'd be a legitimate competition as well. You don't need CM Punk, especially at AEW, especially as a baby. Your thoughts? I pretty much feel that AEW can go with almost any other option except bring back CM Punk. After what he pulled, there is no possible way you can bring this guy back onto the active roster and onto AEW television. It's it, it, it is his AEW career is done as we know it. They're going to let his contract run out, and that's going to be the end of CM Punk, probably in professional wrestling for forever at this point. I mean, I don't even know, I don't know who Dave Meltzer's source is, but it's whatever, as far as I'm concerned. Punk is not coming back to AEW television. It's not going to happen. So people who are secretly expecting this, that, that, that this is going to happen, need to just temper those expectations now. Yeah, and you know, one thing that I learned about Dave Meltzer is he he does have some great inside sources. 
here's the thing. He's also a troll. So he knows saying stuff like this is going to get people like us talking about it on our shows. <laughs> he is a troll. I mean, he has proved that over the years. So it'll be interesting. All right, sir. So that is all I have for this episode. What do you got for it? That is also all I have, Kentucky. All right, Yard. folks. So you've been listening to Against the Match Wrestling Podcast. With your hosts, the Kentucky Guy and Donnie Cage. Hey, thank you all for listening. And remember, you don't just have to listen to this episode. We're going to let you listen to two today. So you can listen to the following episode, the one previous to this. Hey, as always, guys, God bless and God bless America.